Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will walk you through the current thinking of the Chief Investment Office specific to U.S. equity strategy, including a performance outlook and a look at allocation. So joining me on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Nadia Lovell, Senior Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Nadia, welcome back. Good morning and looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning, Ben. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Nadia, I know there's a lot we want to cover. Maybe we can begin with corporate earnings. I know we're coming off what was a very strong Q2 reporting season. So, Nadia, can you put some numbers around that for us and maybe speak to CIO's current earnings outlook based on the results we've seen over the past few weeks? Yes. um, Second quarter earnings were exceptionally strong beat it even our higher than consensus expectations. Their earnings beat by over 15% and sales by about 5%. So that translates into earnings growth of over 85% year over year and sales growth of over 25%. Now, we all know that the second quarter of 2020 was really peak pandemic pain for companies. So consequently, there is some low base effect in those numbers. So let me take a step back and put those numbers in perspective and compare them to 2019 levels. So relative to the second quarter of 2019, earnings grew over 25% and sales about 13%. So still very impressive and record level earnings. Their strength prompted us to lift our estimates and we now expect earnings to grow 45% in 2021 and 10% in 2022. Now, our 2022 numbers do include a 4 to 5 percentage drag from higher expected corporate tax rates. Lawmakers in Washington are in the process of drafting the budget reconciliation bill, and that's likely to include higher corporate taxes. But what's driving our core earnings assumptions is really solid economic growth being fueled by pent-up consumer demand and also a pickup in corporate spending, Dan. Okay, so Nadia, the bull market that we're in, it does seem to be on solid footing against the earnings macro backdrop you shared with us just a moment ago. So Nadia, how does this translate to CIO's performance outlook for U.S. equities? We remain very constructive on markets. Uh, We believe that the S&P 500 will continue to notch new highs over the next year. We revised up our price target. And so now for December 2021, our price target is 4,600. And for December 2022, we are looking for 5,000. That expected price return is really being driven by earnings growth, as we do expect valuation multiples to contract slightly with interest rates moving higher. We are also seeing an acceleration in corporations buying back their shares, and that too should lend some support to the overall market. So overall, the environment remains very favorable for stocks in our view, with a still quite accommodative Federal Reserve on monetary policy side, and 
overall solid global economic growth. So, Nadia, now that we have a good understanding of CIO's performance outlook for U.S. equities, maybe we can pivot, talk about positioning a bit now. I do understand that CIO slightly trimmed its cyclical bias, though still believes that cyclicals are poised for a rebound. So, Nadia, can you walk us through the thinking there and maybe speak to the current sector preferences? Uh, we did reduce some cyclicality with the business cycle maturing and shifting from early cycle to mid-cycle. As that shift happens, the outperformance of cyclicals tends to wane a bit, and it requires a bit more selectivity. So we downgraded industrial to a neutral. Historically, there is a high correlation between industrial's performance and the manufacturing purchase um, manufacturing index, that is the PMI. So with the cycle peak in the PMI likely now behind us, there could be some continued downward pressure on the sector. We did upgrade healthcare to preferred. Uh, relative earnings growth in the sector is improving. Valuation is attractive. Trading at about a 15% discount to the market. Positioning is light, but inflows are starting to accelerate. On the risk side, though, um, there's potential for political rhetoric around drugs pricing that could pick up as we head into the fall and Congress negotiates the budget reconciliation bill. But we do think that this risk is manageable and are largely already reflected in shares. So we don't expect any transformational uh, legislation. In addition to healthcare, we continue to have a preference for financial, energy, and consumer discretionary we do expect rates to move higher and look for the yield on the 10-year Treasury note to trend towards 1.75 over the next few months as the employment market improves and we get closer to the Federal Reserve beginning to reduce its asset purchasing program. So higher rates should be a positive for financials. And I would say after a very strong performance earlier this year, the energy sector, as we know, has come under pressure of late due to concerns around the Delta variant and the potential impact that that could have on global oil demand. But we remain positive on oil as we believe that the market will remain under supply into 2022. We look for prices to recover to $72 on West Texas Intermediate, that is WTI crude oil price, over the next few months as concerns around Delta we think will uh, abate. This should allow for a rebound in energy equities. We do estimate that the sector is pricing in an oil price around the $45 range, which simply in our view is just far too low. On consumer discretionary, the sector is a mixed bag, just given the heavy weight of two stocks within the index. They account for about 45% of the sector. But consumer discretionary should get a lift from the pent-up demand and consumer spending. Supply chain disruption is curtailing a bit of growth in the sector, but we expect that to lessen as we head into year-end. Near term, the sector should benefit from back-to-school spending and a pickup in the job market that should ultimately put more dollars in consumers' pockets. So overall, we feel good about our preferred sectors, um, healthcare, 
financial energy and consumer discretionary debt. Well, Nadia, that was very helpful. So thank you for taking a few moments there to expand on CIO's sector preferences at this time. I am curious, Nadia, about mid-caps. Can you explain a bit CIO's current thinking there? Yes. You know, from a sales standpoint, we do prefer mid-cap over large cap. As a whole, we still like the more economically sensitive segments of the market due to relatively better earnings growth and potential for upside surprises. Uh, Mid-cap offer that more cyclical exposure versus large cap. And as the business cycle progresses, you also want to move up in quality, Dan. So mid-cap offers that better quality growth over small cap. So it's almost the best of two worlds, so quality and cyclical exposure. So that's why we like mid-cap over large cap and over small cap. Thank you for that, Nadia. So maybe we can talk about risks for a few moments. Now, the outlook you've been sharing with us, it it does seem positive, though it is important to be mindful of some risks that could uh, slow down momentum or serve as disruptors. So what's currently on your radar in the way of risk? watching a few things, um, specifically, of course, the Delta variant, inflation, uh, the Federal Reserve, and policy in Washington, D.C. You know, I'll take a moment to just unpack that a bit more. We do expect uh, Delta variant cases in the U.S. to peak around the end of August, and so that should limit the impact on economic growth. You know, looking at other countries that have had early outbreaks, the peak was around 45 days. Uh, the prime example being, of course, the UK. Encouragingly, though, we are seeing cases to start to roll over in some states in the U.S., like in Florida, that had early outbreaks. And in most states, we're seeing a deceleration in the rate of new cases. But Delta's also put in some additional pressure on supply chains, which were already under some stress as they've been struggling to keep up with the pent-up demand as economies reopen. This has also caused inflation to spike, driving up prices not only for companies but also for consumers. And so far, companies have been able to manage profit margins through cost-saving initiatives and passing along some of those higher costs to consumers. Uh, so profit margins in the second quarters were at record levels. And while we do expect inflationary pressures to be transitory, Dan, and will start to normalize soon, we're starting to see some of that already in the most recent data with things like used car prices, rental car prices, airfares, that were flat to slightly down over the last month or so. It is something that we are closely monitoring, given that some Asian countries, as we know, which are an essential part of global supply chains, have zero-tolerance approach to COVID, and they have since reinstated some restrictions. On the Federal Reserve side, we know that the Fed has been adding liquidity since July of 2020 by buying in aggregate $120 billion in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities per month. The expectation here is that the Fed will start to reduce that buying as the economy is just on stronger footing and doesn't need as much monetary stimulus anymore. You know, while it's not entirely clear, Dad, when that tapering process will start, we do expect the Fed to announce it in December and tapering to start in early 2022. So we are closely watching the job numbers as the Fed has emphasized the importance of its uh, recovery there. 
if the August and September reports are exceptionally strong, we could see an acceleration of that tapering timeline by a month or so. But nonetheless, we believe that the actual tapering process will be very measured and gradual. And so that should limit the disruption to the market. And then lastly, on the Washington policy side, we are indeed watching that $1 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed in the Senate and is now being considered in the House, as well as the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation um, bill, as the latter is likely to include that higher corporate tax and individual tax rates. There are some tough negotiations ahead for lawmakers, Dan, particularly in September and October, and that could be a source of both upside and downside risk to the market. You know, right now we are assuming that both bills do get passed. Uh, we think that the overall package will be smaller, though. In aggregate, we are looking for about 2 to $2.5 trillion in new spending, and that to be offset by about a trillion dollars in higher taxes. So in our 2022 earnings estimates for the S&P 500, we are assuming that the federal statutory corporate tax rate does get increased to 25% from 21%. Yeah, and things just remain really fluid in Washington, and news flow could cause some short-term volatility in the market. But again, still, all of these risks that we are monitoring, we think will be manageable and short-lived and unlikely to really derail the economy or the equity market. So overall, we still feel very good about the outlook for the equity market. Well, Nadia, to your point, a lot of fluidity indeed when it comes to these risk considerations, namely the policy fronts in Washington on the fiscal monetary side. So all things will continue to track very closely, though, Nadia, very productive conversation today. I thank you for dropping by to walk us through CIO's current outlook for equities, hitting on allocation preferences and citing those important risk considerations. A nice catching up with you today, Nadia, and we'll look forward to having you back on again with us soon. Thanks, Dan, for having me. And again today, we've been joined by Nadia Lovell, Senior Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO including the publication U.S. Equities, the 500 goes to 5,000. For clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topics or receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways 
companies and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.